Hello, Spacers. This is Atlas, Berserker of the Acers. I need the audience to share our story to anyone you meet. One, it'll increase my standing for promotion. And two, it'll help our group share our story through the planetary system. We love to see our supporters and backup from everyone who watches. I'll hand you over to Nathan. Hey guys, thank you for watching and supporting through following, subscribing, Patreon, and even just watching listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode, and make sure to leave any thoughts or questions in the comments. Until next time, Spacers. Thank you. Here we go. Roll for initiative. That was a very weak clap. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, Someone clapped. <laughs> okay, guys. Welcome back to Starlight. And uh, what I think is going to turn out to be a good mid-year break as we move into conflict with Fabrojum, or as you guys have known him, or easier to say, Fable Gloom. Um, as usual, I am Isaac Yorks, your host and GM, and I am surrounded by some of the best people that I know, but manners first, we are joined once more by our guest, Jordan Mann, who's playing Jorstack. Jordan also has just competed in a few races, including going international over to Ireland. Jordan, how are you doing, no, man? I got COVID. I got COVID, oh, oh. so I didn't actually get the race. That was the... <laughs> Oh, you! Oh, that was a part of that. I got COVID like the first day there. I was like, "Well, we're just canceling the races then." Oh man. Okay. Okay. So in that case, though, how was your vacation? Uh, well, I got COVID, so I mostly <laughs> sat in the room for a while. But <laughs> I did. Uh, I did get to go walk to a little beach in Ireland, which is cool. Uh, it's not anything like you know, like Miami Beach or whatever. It's like kind of cold, just kind of like walking and sitting there. I would read some stuff. Uh, and one of my friends from undergrad just happened to be in Ireland at the same time. So on my last day when I was like mostly COVID free, we just like walked around and did some outside stuff. So that was cool. Man. Okay. Uh, not, not as good as if it would have been if I didn't have COVID, but, uh, you know, still nice nonetheless. I'm honestly at a loss for words, except I'm sorry. I, and maybe some solidarity. I didn't have COVID, but the one time that I was there, I raced horribly from the jet lag and I was bullied two days of my four days there by a eight-year-old boy. So, you 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 let an eight-year-old boy bully you? I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but it was very clear he was making fun of me every time he saw me, and he would like elbow his friends, and they would all point at me. And then he also had a big brother with him who was way more muscular than me. So there's wow. not much uh, to do. But anyways, enough of our sorrows. To my right, we have... I'm Courtney, and I play Ray Byrne. And I'm Nathan, and I play Atlas. Okay. And I know we've done this... Wait, can I make an announcement? Oh. Um, 
I just want to, and this is a very cheesy, but Isaac's publishing a book and it's good and we're really excited about it. And if you want to check it out, there's a Kickstarter in the link below <laughs> because Isaac's going to put it in the link below now that I said that. <laughs> I, I will. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I guess before we continue on, I will do a shameless promo here. Yeah. I have been working on a book for, well, I've been writing books for at least the past four years and the past two almost two years i've been working on my most recent project ascendant ascendant i think is an absolutely phenomenal story not to toot my own horn it is a dark epic fantasy and it is a coming of age tale for our main character dirk ava as a she has to deal with betrayals um long lost secrets ancient magics that awaken within her all to overthrow the tyranny of the lord prime and along the way in trying to make these changes we'll just see if she can keep her soul intact and yeah that's about it if that if that sort of stuff interests you this will be a series that builds and adds more characters in over time and and gets more and more complex with the world building and the overall story but one of the things i love about this is while there's still like some emotional development and character arcs to be finished with the, with the character, you can read the story and be happy with the resolution of the actual story. So, so yeah, like Courtney said, that will be below. But before we go on, I know we've done this once or twice, but we haven't done it with uh, Jorstack. So why don't we go ahead and hit a quick round robin of our characters their classes and HP just so that the audience knows as we potentially go into a conflict with the fabled bounty hunter. Ray is a synth and she, yeah, synth rogue. She has 55 HP. So I think she's like pretty close with Atlas just to toot my own horn here. Um, yeah. Anything else we should share? Is that everything? I have the favorite favorite dessert of your character. Oh, the blood of her enemies. Wow. That's creepy. <laughs> very dark. So for Atlas, uh, he's also a, a synth, uh, the juggernaut uh, subtype of it. He's level six, has 59 HP, and yeah. Uh, Jorstak is a <laughs> half silver dragon and dark elf. Uh, he's level four. He has 46 HP. And his favorite dessert, believe it or not, they actually have Froyo on his home uh, planet. And so it's like it's something that's like very similar to Froyo. You know, it's like basically Froyo. Uh, and that's his favorite dessert with like gummy bears and uh, like the, the like little popping bubbles. <laughs> I didn't know that about your home planet, which you also yeah, created. Um, Crazy. <laughs> and then just to add tack on, Jorstak is three classes of a fighter battlemaster and three classes as a ranger gloomstalker. He's a little bit of a split character. All right. And um, with that, why don't we jump into this episode of Starlight? <clears throat> Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. Accompanied by the reckless and vengeance-seeking Jorstak, a dark elf morphed by the dwarves of the guild, 
Atlas and Ray find themselves in a tense confrontation with the one and only Fablegloom, the alleged bounty hunter that Ostrod Kefbear thought was following them. In the wake of startling discoveries, Atlas and Jorstak quickly decide how to best move forward in the light of their inquiries that uncover that the guild has been kidnapping the eggs of dragons from the dragonborns, accelerating their growth, and retarding them into little more than vehicles able to handle the harshest things that space travel has to offer. As the two begin to set a trap for Fablegloom, they are interrupted by the bounty hunter who bays them to cease in their destruction of his starship, the Destiny and he threatens Ray's life as a bargaining chip, who he now holds bound and unconscious. Rushing to her aid, small talk is exchanged before Atlas lowers the blade of his G and leaves fate in the hands of Fablegloom's next move. Memories retrieved. Then, why don't we move in to some inspiration? Courtney, why don't you start? Who would you vote to give a point of inspiration? Um, I'm going to give it to myself because I'm knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to give it to Isaac just because it's like a, well, we're versing like a boss. I feel like it's more interesting. Nathan! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like the whole like, I feel like that's common now. I think everyone knows I'm going to give it to Isaac usually. I mean, I appreciate it. So, <laughs> what about you, Jordan? Who would you like to Do see? Do I get to give inspiration? Okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, because I think she would be mad at me otherwise, from what I'm gathering, I'll go ahead and give it to Ray. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, you don't want to be in the blood of her enemies. Um, yeah, yeah, no, you? I don't. It sounds really <laughs> not delightful. I could be petty and give it to myself and do a roll off, but I'm not going to be petty. Courtney, you're going to get the inspiration. But I would Thank like you. to say I am going to give my vote of inspiration to Atlas. Uh, I think that the way that you played and the way that you led last time was very well done, especially given that we had to tend to a baby halfway and <laughs> you took over kind of leading with Jorastak. Um, so, yes. But, Courtney, Ray, there's your point of inspiration. Thank you. Use it well, as I have three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for those of you that listened last time in our backstage Q&A, we came to a decision based off of Atlas pointing or leveling his, his weapon at Fablegloom. The ball was put into Fablegloom's court as terms of what he was going to do next. And what I decided was I'm going to roll a die 20. And so I'm going to have the players pick odds or evens. And if whatever they pick, if he rolls the opposite, he's going to go straight into combat. So one of you can be the spokesperson. Do you want odds or evens? Uh, what, what's, the lucky, what's the lucky side today? I'm a big evens guy. Big evens guy? Okay. All right. All right, here we go. I'm Wait, gonna... so, so he has to roll an even to not go into combat. To right not away. go. Okay. All right. Immediately. So I got the... Yeah, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right oh, we got the big see. dice. Yes. Is a eighteen. Can you see it? There we go. Okay. All right. 
So then we pick up in this stoneworked room with images of dragons embossed or in reliefs on the sides of the walls, a front table that looks like it's filled with offerings of different jewels and metallic items and other rare minerals and metals. This room that has an image that gives Atlas these goose flesh prickles along the back of his neck, that image being of the egg, an egg that he has somewhere, somewhere. And we zoom in to look at Atlas, crouched down with the length of his G, a staff with a blade on the end, pointed at Fablegloom, who stands in sleek black armor, completely covered from head to toe, this armor almost looking like the carapace of a beetle, a strange silvery luster coming off of it, a laser sword in one hand and a laser tech shield in the other. Beside him, smoke rises off the decapitated head of Steve Tristbeard. Ray is knocked out on the ground, and the dwarves, the remaining of those that you guys traveled with, are completely manacled and their mouths are bound. Fable Gloom looks at your weapon, looks at you, and clicks the button on the side of the laser sword, and the, the blade recedes back into the hilt. He presses a hand up to the side of his helmet, and the helmet opens up three-fourths of the way. And what you see is a pale, hairless face beneath. The skin is like weathered parchment. The eyes and the irises are a deep golden color. He's humanoid, but he is no human that you have ever seen. You can just make out long ears that go back and then disappear into the sides of the helmet. And he says, I think that there is another way we can come to some sort of agreement. I implore you to put your weapon down. What would it take for you to allow me to leave? The Mm. drones from his pauldrons are still circling around the room now. All four of them. Hmm... At least for starters, I would like my comrade back. That can be done. But then I want safety off of this planet with my captives. They are imperative to the future. And then secondly, Alice will pull the egg out. Trying to see if there's any reaction. Make an insight roll as you pull the egg out. What is 19? 17 plus 2. He breathes in sharply. Although the eyes don't change much, you do register surprise. He then kind of pushes it under the surface as quick as possible. Where did you get that? To be honest with you, I don't really remember. He presses another button on the side, like of his left pauldron, and all of the drones... You, wa- you you hear this like retraction noise and you see these like machine guns kind of move back up into the body of the drones as he like turns off the armament. He takes a step forward. These dwarves, they are free to go. All I require is the egg. 
Oh no, I didn't want the dwarves, I just wanted my comrade back. You may have your comrade, of course. But what you hold in your hands, what you hold in your hands, could be used to decide the fate of this universe. It must go where it can be safely kept. There are those who would use it, who are attempting, probably even now to this moment, to recover it. It cannot be left in the hands. And he seems like he he almost seems the like he's about to say something. <laughs> Uh, insulting, and then he stops, and he just he stops there at hands. As a future note, you should probably not tell people that it can change the world for asking for it, because now I feel like it can fetch a high price. It was not a request. <laughs> if you will not part with the egg, then you will come with me to see the egg properly contained. I care not. My ship has had accommodations before you and your other destroyed it. Can you tell me more about it? And then Alice will like point towards the symbol. Can you tell me what that is? Of the egg or of the dragons? Are they not the same symbols? So there's the symbol of the egg that mm -hmm. matches what you have perfectly. And then there's the two symbols, the multi-headed dragon. And then there's another, there's another dragon as well. But that one seems much more benign. More towards the egg because it's more of the personal reason. This is what these dwarves were trying to protect, and what them and their allies have so foolishly lost until now, until you recovered it. He walks over to the relief of the multi-headed dragon. This is a symbol of Tiamat. And this egg potentially holds her within it. There are forces, and forget the guild, the guild had no clue what they were doing, or what they had uncovered. But there are forces right now, who are trying to unlock the power of this egg. You will recall, and then he pulls up like a hollow vid, clicks it a couple times, and shows you a video of a Tarrasque, this giant reptilian creature titanic in nature almost almost godzilla-esque with like the nubs for wings on the back of its body destroying a city you will recall hearing of this creature i am sure it was plastered across every hollow net every hollow vid and then like all things that people fear they hid it away in their memories but for some of us, our jobs are not to forget. They're not to forgive. They are to protect. They've been trying to awaken this. And he points once more to the embossed relief of Tiamat. He freezes the, the hollow vid on a moment when the creature is like inhaling this energy within it. You see it just ready to just knock down buildings and destroy them and that's where he freezes it and he says and this is the abomination of the times that they have failed my order has sent me to try and reclaim it along with others and now you hold the egg my mission my end game 
what will it be? So just make sure I have this right. You're trying to go against the organization that created this so-called abomination you're showing? That and more. To root out the one who was going to use it to create Tiamat once more. Threads of fate lined up on top of one another. Normally, when you're looking at future events or possibilities, it is like a river that splits into many directions. But over and over again, my betters have seen these lines moving together, aligning in the most unlikely of ways. The future is not written, Atlas, but it is rushing towards a more probable course. A more probable course that ends in the death of millions. And it all focuses around this point, this egg. I'm curious though, why would you want to protect it? Why don't you just destroy it? You don't know much of Dragonborn lore, or of their legends, or of their religion, do you? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a historian of that nature, no. Most aren't. They are a reviled race partially seen to by these dwarves and their kind and he kind of like spits in the direction of those who are on the floor they kind of huddle in fear trying to pull away from him he walks across the room to the other side where the other relief is and this benign dragon is there and even though it's carved from stone there are like it's almost as if little specks of like clear quartz crystal has been embedded in the stonework so it gives it this sparkle and luster he raises a hand and, like, traces it on the wall, and he says, This is Bahamut. This is the other possibility of what this egg can be, and what it will be, if we are able to keep it away from these darker forces. Bahamut will return one day and protect all kind. And then, without turning his back towards you, he says, do you believe in gods, Atlas? And then with that, I'm going to jump over to Jorstak. And Jorstak, right. you are in the ship, the Destiny. Sparks are fitzing over here. You've found you found a way into Fablegloom's room. His mattress is on fire. Nice. It's a mess. Congratulations. <laughs> you and you Thank also you. hold all of the files that you discovered that Fablegloom has been collecting on the guild. So I've spent some time reading the files, right? And it told me that the guild was responsible for the things that happened to my home world. That their that their their experiments on like these ships that are dragons. I got like, I got a lot going on in my mind, and I'm processing. The other thing that you realize from it too is that it's not that the dwarves were turning your people purposely mutating it, right. by working so close and the method by which. They were accelerating the growth of these dragons from eggs and then keeping them alive but warping them into the shape of dragons and fusing them with the parts of ships. It was almost like radiation. It was a byproduct of working so close. Your town where you grew up was in one of these so-called like uh, manufacturing zones. Pretty brutal, yeah. Um... I kind of want to take a look around to figure out what the connection between Fable Gloom and these dwarves is. You know, like, like why specifically is he is he running around um, 
with these people, like trying to capture these people who who have supposedly, um, you know, who who've who've done this experimentation that's really been terrible for my people. Uh, and also, what's his connection to uh, to Atlas and Ray, if there is one? That's what Dorstak's wondering. Go ahead and make an investigation roll. One. <laughs> no. Here we go again. Yep, here we go again. As you're searching around, um, there, you you can't find it. You you even like, at one point you do find like an, as you're you go to one of the terminals that's still working, you find like an encrypted message and you start kind of like trying to get into it but you fail so bad that not only does the encrypted message disappear but then the ship's defenses turn on i need you to make a uh, constitution saving throw as you hear what sounds like the a quick pop of electricity from the left side of your ear just a puck. 18 plus 3 is 21. There we go. You suddenly see the arm swing out from beside the terminal, like from a panel in the wall, and it hits you and it goes, <laughs> but you kind of like grit yourself, pull yourself out of the way just enough, but where it does hit, it makes your arm go numb, but it does little else. And then the, mes- the message is gone. With that disappointment, we jump back over to Atlas, Fable Gloom, and Ray. And we go first to the point of perspective of Ray. Ray, your head is swimming. You're going in and out of consciousness. You can vaguely remember that you need to wake up, but at the same time, these dreams are so good. Ray, please go ahead and roll a, I think wisdom saving throw. Nine. You slip back into sleep fully. Do you actually believe in God's Atlas? I believe that there are some that consider themselves gods and kind of gives Fable Gloom a look, like a little side glance. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I don't really believe that there are gods in a sense because I feel like throughout my life I've seen enough people who worship and say great things as such this uh, benevolent Bahamut that's supposedly going to save the world. And then these uh, supposed gods are nowhere to be seen when things are actually dark. People are dying everywhere in wars and whatnot. So, no, I believe there's people that believe themselves gods. I believe there's people that are powerful, but I do not believe that there's an actual deity or deities running around so tragedy that is what wipes your belief away understandable and it almost makes me wonder if perhaps you lost someone nevertheless these images that you see these were wrought by dragonborn hands and indeed these are the last gods left in the universe he then walks over to Ray. What you hold in your hand is the vestige that can bring it to life. And it's not something we in my order necessarily want to bring, but we want to stop those who wish to control 
or set loose the darker forces. The, the darker half of what this could be. And as he finally gets over to Ray, he rummages through the pack set aside that was hers, and he pulls forth a brilliantly colored crystal that is about the size of his hand. And he shows it to you, and he says, Your companion. I do not know if she believed in gods, but she carried a part of one with her. These, these are the echoes of gods from the last time that they were here, before they banished themselves away from our world, our realms. This is all that remains. Their influence, magic as some people would say, divine right as your reveries and white knights would say. Their influence is held here, and there are certain individuals who can draw upon it. Most become afflicted, their minds warped and changed from being so close to such an essence. He looks curiously at Ray and he says, And then there are some who are fine with its proximity. And indeed, there are those like myself who can sense it. I have no need for these. We have plenty with my order. But those, I can promise you, those are the closest thing to the bodies of gods that once dwelled in this universe, amongst these planets. How about this? You come with me with the egg. I will take you back to my order. You may ask them freely questions that you have. You and your companion, even the one who is below in the ship. I am certain that my superiors will answer as they see is needed. And then that way, you can make sure that I am not doing ill with the egg. You will keep it in your hands until you finally understand why we must keep it safe. I will share what I can with you. Does that sound like a deal? Or of course, I could take it by force. And Atlas, I need you to make him wisdom saving throw as his yellow eyes suddenly glow silver for a second. And Suddenly, it is as if your entire body is being squeezed through like a wormhole, lengthened and pulled. It feels like you're about to snap. It feels like iron bands are clamping you and then trying to force you into a tiny hole. All of the air is pushed out of your lungs, and just as you feel like you you will never breathe again, there is a flash of silvery light, and you and Fablegloom stand facing each other, but your positions have completely shifted. Now you stand by Ray, and he stands in your previous position. What the heck? Don't really appreciate, uh... I don't really appreciate being moved, or whatever you just did. Like I said, there are those of us who can also use the echoes of these gods. Perhaps we could see if you have the aptitude to use one, to use that power. But I do not mean to insult you, more so to show you what you are up against. 
So basically, I can gain power. It's basically one of the uh, one of the options or rewards for coming with you. Only those who are brought into our order are taught such ways. First, you have to be cleared. Seeing as before, it seemed that the only option was conversation or bloodshed, and as the once Steve told me, you and your partner are quite capable. I would rather not have my ship be ruined anymore, and I would rather not end up in a brawl with you and your companions. So, I'm offering the chance for you to come potentially learn, and if the others of my order evaluate that you might make a good inductee, then that will be offered in its due time, and you too might learn such things. Would it change anything too if I told you that he, that uh, abomination you mentioned recently was uh, me? <laughs> Go ahead and make a charisma roll. Eleven. If that were true, then that would be very intriguing. Very intriguing indeed. And we would want to learn more. Well, like a lab rat? No. Those are not our methods. Usually. To be honest with you, is that I want, obviously, information on the organization that's doing things, these types of things because I have my own personal vendettas. But also, at the same time, I need a guarantee that I can gain something to either go against them, power, or anything else as an advantage. But, I don't know if you know the Kashin. I have heard of them. We have this, uh, I would say, sort of a tradition. It's kind of an old school one, though. It's not really a uh, practice one nowadays. But just a guarantee that I can gain something from you or learn something from you. Plus, I'm going to be honest, the whole uh, greater or higher being act is, uh, for some reason, not settling well with me. Alice is going to grab Ray and like put her to like a corner or something. So as Ray gets moved, Ray, you can roll a uh, wisdom saving throw. Fifteen. In the moment as you're getting set down, you suddenly wake back up. Can I yell like, kill him! Kill him, Atlas! And I'm like, fuming. <laughs> Give me my Atlas. gun! Kill him! <laughs> I want to kill him! <laughs> Atlas will uh, look to Ray and kind of pat her on the head like you would a kid chuckle to himself, but he's just gonna say like, just stay here for a second. I just wanna test something. As of right now, he might be able to help us. Ray's like warming herself towards him, like fuming. Like she's ready to go out this <laughs> oh, guy. Um, Alice is gonna like jam a javelin. But like between I mean, her in the, in the arm, so it kind of keeps Yeah. Her. Yep. He's just okay. gonna jam it into the wall. You pull out this small little half a foot handle. You press the button and it extends in both directions into the length of a javelin. You slam it into the wall. Give me an athletics check for it to stick and you can roll with advantage on it. Okay. 16 plus 7, 23. And it sticks with a... So we're going to rig the ship to blow and then try and drive it into that room. Oh. That's, that's what we're going to try and do. And I'm going to eject from it before it actually blows up, of course, and then use my dragon arm to kind of, like, 
guide my flying back into it, you know, like so I don't blow up. But we're gonna make we're gonna make a real entrance here and see what we can do. Oh boy. First you're going to make a uh because you've destroyed much of the control panels. Right. You can either do a, an interfacing check or a repair check to get it to first boot up and use. Cool, well they're both minus one, so <laughs> <laughs> 18. You get underneath, like, the, the hood of the front console, you jimmy a few things, the ship comes to life with a... <laughs> Can you explain to me how big of an explosion? Are you hoping to just, like, have a smaller internal explosion, or are we trying to have, like, turn the ship into a bomb? Yeah, I think, like, I, want, I definitely want to turn the ship into a little bit of a bomb. You know, like, maybe not, like, kill everyone in the room, but definitely, like, you know, I, I want everyone to be shook up once when, when I come in there. You know, like, it's not like the ship blows up and then, like, it's just kind of, like, on the inside. It's like, you know, the ship's going to blow up and everyone's going to be like, you know, oh, I can't hear, like, I you know, where where is everyone? You know, kind of like, you know, like in uh like in a movie, if like everyone just kind of like was like waking up and like, oh my god, like you know, you okay. have that sound in the back of your head, and you're just kind of like trying to get your bearings. Um, okay. I'm pretty mad, you know. I'm pretty mad about finding out about this this whole dwarves guild. You know, I'm not happy about this. So you're seeing red. Got it. I'm seeing red. You know, and these guys are traveling with the dwarves. Fable Gloom doesn't seem like a good guy. Yeah. I'm not happy with any of these people. You know. So, Atlas just ran off. He ran off when, when just when Fable Gloom was there. You know, Ray tried to tried to get, get tell the dwarves I was Fable Gloom. I was very rude of her. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be interesting. Okay, this is gonna require a little bit of finesse in both your vehicle handling check as you're driving it and rigging it. So first, as you're rigging it, you're gonna roll an interfacing check. You're going to want to roll a 13 or higher. Every two points that you roll lower than a 13, the bigger the explosion will be in a negative okay. way. Yeah, like it'll be like a little bit too gonna nuke everything in there. Okay. Be the end of Starlight. The four minus one, which is three. Initiated. As the ship is pulling free, you're going to make a vehicle handling check, and we're going to do the same thing. Your DC is 13. 12. The <laughs> ship pulls free. The ship pulls free, you know, it's kind of, it, we, 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 did, we did the damage that I wanted to do to it, you know, we were kind of, kind of you know, messing up Fable Gloom's ship. Like, I really wanted it to be like it was ready to blow. So we, you know, now it's, I kind of get behind the controls. It's shaking. It's kind of like crankling. It's rattling everywhere, uh, you know. And so I take it out into the, you know, into, you know, a little deep space action, you know. So you're seeing a lot of these old robots still flying around in circles and kind of navigating around them as I look towards the side of the building and find to see the little small room jutting out towards the side. Uh, I make sure that the escape pod, you know, that I, I can jump in once I set the course for it. 
everything's kind of floating around. I kind of get the ship to hover mode. It's still shaking, cranking, like, uh, and as, as I get to the point where I can face the, um, where I can face that room, I get on my, uh, I get on my, my keypad that I've been using to interface, set the coordinates of that room, uh, and press a button to initiate the sequence that's going to set the ship, uh, jolting to it as I jump up, take the, take the escape pod, Get ready to rip as I as I start floating downwards in the escape pod, and I'm initiating my sniper rifle as the uh, as the ship heads towards the building. Okay, <laughs> and so you watch as the ship goes. You know, you meant to kind of go a little bit higher so that way the explosion didn't wasn't enough really hurt people, but more so disorient. But it kind of goes just a little bit lower, not so much, and just at that point of impact. We swap over to Bray, Atlas, and Fable Gloom. Fable Gloom, there's this huge beeping red alert coming from the sides of one of his gauntlets. He stops mid-sentence, looks down at it. His eyes are going over it, going over it. Immediately, his helmet shuts with a... There's not enough time. I need you to pick right now, Atlas. Your companion is driving the ship into the room. I cannot save both of you. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Alice is gonna grab Grey by like her clothing or whatever and just throw her at Fable Gloom. As she goes flying at him, that silver luster that was on his armor suddenly rises up about an inch off his body and then congeals into this metallic ball at the front of him. And it, for a moment, it's almost as if like there was like this glamour to him that made him more imposing. You almost seem like he like got smaller by like an inch or so as this metallic luster goes off. This metallic luster turns into this orb. This orb kind of starts to spin and begins to look like this fractile mirror that's only about two inches in length and about six feet in height. As Ray goes flying at it, she hits it and it ripples like water and then her form, her essence, is pulled inside of it. And then it collapses back into the ball. He just puts a hand out. He goes, the egg. Alice is going to uh, go into a rage. What would Table Gloom do at that point? As Atlas begins to turn red, these muscles begin to kind of disjoint as this metallic tail kind of like begins to slightly rip out of the skin, steam rising off of him. Alice will say, I'll come find you with the egg. This is just my guarantee that my comrade will be safe until I get there. Fable Gloom's hand begins to shimmer, and you watch as a spectral disembodied hand begins to appear beside you, Atlas, and begins to reach for the egg when the, suddenly this impact happens, and there is an explosion. It is metal rending against 
metal and rock, and you see the tip of the destiny just coming in to, through the ceiling. And just as the tip's coming through, it explodes with a... It's this torrent of flame, fumes, gas, and shrapnel. Okay, Jorstak. So you're going to roll the first part of the damage, and I will roll the next bit. The first okay. part on your end is five die eight damage. That's the first you part? five. Uh, fifteen. And then, on this end... Did I extend? All together, that is 109 points of damage. I rolled a 94. Flames erupt. You see Ray, her face drops, and she screams Atlas's name, and then just crumples. Atlas, you're going to roll a deception roll, okay. and then he's going to roll an insight roll versus yours. Five. I also got a five. I'm actually going to use to use all three and make it a nat 20 of my inspiration. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What, in the moments that you were thinking through, like in this session, what were your, your thoughts or your intentions for, for the egg and potentially this order and going with him? To be honest, Alice has, doesn't really care about the whole gods thing. He just wanted to gain power, be able to fight the organization that's behind it kind of thing. And then, in all reality, I was even like trying to debate on that, like, being like, is Tiamat, Tiamat actually that bad? Alice sees it as like a tool in a sense, not really like a, a good or evil entity. So it is with that, that insight that Fable Gloom places his hopes that you will become a weapon of his institution and that they will move you from the error of the thought of unleashing Tiamat. Ray drops from the crystalline protection and it wraps around Atlas, pulling him in. Wait, Atlas can see that he dropped Ray, right? Yes. Okay, how much, dam how much of that 109 damage was not fire damage? Half and half. So we'll say 55 was fire damage and 54 was not. 54 was like shrapnel. Okay. So if he see if Alice sees him drop her, I can leap a ridiculous amount of feet. Yes. Is there a way to resist his little like suction thing? Yes, absolutely. You just need to make a DC 16 dexterity saving throw. It's a spell though, right? Yes. So I have advantage on it. Because of a danger sense. Um, Alice is going to leap and cover Ray and try to take at least 82 out of the like full damage. So, so basically, he's just trying to save Ray. Atlas, you leap <laughs> as Ray is dropped from the crystalline mirror. Fable Gloom hedging his bets on hoping that he can save you and the egg and get a message to you of where you must go. This mirror thing comes hurtling at you as a as a orb of silver, trying to 
uh, encapsulate you and pull you into its protection. Midway through air, you kind of like ring your body like an acrobatist. Go ahead and roll a dexterity roll with advantage. Nope. I rolled 5 and 14. So I have a 15. I'm trying to think if I have inspiration. Ray does. And if you want, I can confirm that if she should use it to let you use it. But I think she probably would. Do you want me to go check? Sure. Yeah. Okay. For our listeners, has stepped away to feed the baby. Ray is giving you her point of inspiration as you're leaping through the air, about to get absorbed into this fractal mirror. You get a reroll. Holy shit, I won't even touch it. I, I got a nat 20 and a 6. You ring out of the way, twisting your body as you're leaping. You feel shrapnel puncturing into your muscles as you land on top of Ray. Ray lets out kind of like a wordless scream as the explosion then completely consumes the room taking the dwarves with it taking fable gloom with it and the last things from fable gloom as as he's getting burnt alive his last action is to grab a necklace at this at the top of his chest and, and break it free it almost looks like a stone medallion but you don't get a chance to look at it closely and he just goes Atlas! And he throws it to you. You snag it from midair, pull it close, whatever the hell it is, just as he's consumed in fire and completely incinerated. And then the flames hit you and Ray. To protect Ray, I want you to go ahead and make a an endurance check with, uh, with advantage. Uh, 19 plus 2, 21. Just like you said before, you absorbed the majority of the damage. The leftover bits do go to Ray. She does finally let out a scream as like her hair is singed down to the scalp. You yourself are burned completely free so that you can see like the, the sinew of the muscle. In some places, Ooh. the bone, you can see the metallic implements where they've been attached to, to the body where like these like wolverine kind of like almost like claws are coming out of the tips of your fingers you grit in and pull yourself closer as half of your face is kind of burned away leaving this terminator-esque visage this drops you below zero but it does not the damage you took is not double your hp so you do not die outright is there any last things you would add to that atlas before i jump over to Jorstack? Atlas will probably just like kind of like look at Ray, obviously with his <laughs> he's a little probably a little scarier than usual. Atlas will just say, uh, <laughs> "Stay alive, kid," and then that'll be it. And then all goes to darkness.
we move and zoom out of the room and we look from the escape pod at Jorstak's perspective as this explosion, much greater than you intended, completely encapsulates this room and parts past it. And you come to this realization that, oh shit, there's <laughs> no way anyone could survive that. First, I want to take a look through my, you know, whether it's through my, like, sniper scope or, like, whatever, to, like, see what... I'm like, holy crap, but I want to, like, see if I can take a look inside and scan the room to be like, did anyone survive? Like, oh, dang, that was a little bigger than I thought. As you are piercing the veil of the smoke, looking through, as the smoke clears and there's just embers left, indeed, there is no one left. What you see are, like, the charred remains of bodies. You can't pick out the dwarves from one another. It looks like they've all kind of like melted into one another. And you see the form of Atlas burned to a crisp. No way he's alive. Fable gloom. But you do, you might see Ray. So go ahead and make a perception roll. And since you're using your sniper rifle, you can make it with advantage. 13. There is a faint rustle of movement as you realize one person did survive, it would seem. It would seem to be rude girl Ray. I'm gonna jump out to where I can, like, you know, navigate using my dragon wing to get into the room. Initiated. And you land with a... <laughs> some soot, some... Uh, embers underfoot, and you walk through. So I, yeah, I walk up to Ray. I check if she's alive. Faintly, yes. What's the, what's a Fable Gloom's body look like these days? What what? Else, give me the landscape of the whole room. I know that we have the three bodies and yeah. and other charred remains. Like what what do we got in there? In the southeast corner. There are the huddle of dwarven bodies, corpses, just burned together. Fable Gloom is completely tarnished. Surprisingly, though, it is almost as if he was like a, a bug cooked from the inside out. For his armor remains almost completely uh, undisturbed. The cloth and stuff, of course, is burned away. And then on the ground, about five feet from Atlas and Ray there is a giant, uh, a circular centerpiece to his armor, to Fablegloom's armor, and it shines almost completely like a mirror. It looks like it hasn't even been touched by any of the fire or anything like that. You can walk over, pick it up. It is as light as a feather, despite its size being, you know, about a foot and a half in complete circumference. And then one of the walls is completely covered in soot and destroyed. That wall would be the one with the relief of Bahamut. And the one that remains unscathed is the image of Tiamat. All of the things on the table are ruined, and then you can hear the howl of the wind outside. There are There's doors that do lead further into the scientific outpost. But other than that, it is a hellish landscape. Cool. So I do want to bring the armor and the mirror thing back to the ship, along with Ray. Looking at everything, a little bit confused, a little bit shook up. 
you gather Ray up into your arms. You do try and tell her that it'll be okay, but she seems unresponsive. You take her to your ship. You immediately start trying to treat her before you, and she does seem to respond, but she falls into a, a deeper, uncomfortable sleep. In that time period, you return for the other things. There's a a dark silence as you look at Atlas's body. And then you turn, gather it up, all of Fablegloom's stuff, and you take it back to the ship. Do I notice the necklace? It is the necklace that that Fablegloom threw at Atlas. Go ahead and make make a perception roll. 15. So there we go. <laughs> you see the Close. edges of the necklace just in Atlas's hand. Similar to the silvery breastplate armor piece, it is also unscathed. I'm going to grab that too then, along with the uh, the breastplate and the armor, and bring it back to the ship as well. And you're walking back. Your eyes kind of go down, and you look at it in your hands. It is a medallion. It looks like it's has elements of blue sapphire, you know, that's ringed by gold. The center has a golden harp set in the middle. And that's when you realize that the sapphire that's set in the middle, that the golden harp is designed on, is actually separate of the the golden outlaying or outlining. Almost similar to, like, the center of a compass. Very similar to that. And you see that there's a small, like, arrow and that that centerpiece kind of like moves as you're walking and seems to be pointing somewhere not somewhere here but almost as if it's being drawn just a direction like a compass that you look at that you know kind of confused you've never seen such a symbol before but you're a Jorstack and you find out things it's what you're good at that and chaos you make a way <laughs> back into your ship intent on questioning Ray when she comes to and making sure that she's set on her way as well it's been a wild couple hours couple days but this is where it all draws down to at last Jorstak you have answers and yes those answers came with new questions and yes it came with the spilling of blood but your blood and your people's blood has been has been spilt for generations after generations. Ray and Atlas, now those are just collateral damage. People in the wrong place at the wrong time, spent with your enemies. But thanks to Fable Gloom, now you know. That doesn't answer the question of how you reverse it. But maybe, maybe this necklace holds the key. But that'll be a journey for another day, for you. And with that, as you close the door to your spaceship, cutting out the noise, fires beginning to grow to the rest of the scientific station, of the drones, some of which are still working, of the howling winds, you settle in, put your feet up on the dashboard, recline, set a hat over your eyes, and you allow yourself to doze off waiting for Ray to wake. And with that, I think that that's a good place to call the game and to call it for our mid-year break. And you can look forward to 
the next few episodes when we do come back to see if Atlas lives. Because per the rules of D&D, he did not die, but he fell unconscious. And we will begin our next episodes rolling to see if he keeps his life. So thanks for listening, guys. And uh, Jordan, man, thank you for coming in, completely mixing it up. In a way, kind of being a a challenge for the players in your own way. Um, usually <laughs> all of the guests find a way to exactly work well with the players, but I love that you you jumped in and leaned into your own story and your own interests and you went with the players where it aligned, but you let yourself really kind of bring this story to life and, and let the listeners see that not every faction or every individual is working with the players. Uh, I'm thankful Thank for you. that. I don't know if Nathan will be thankful if Atlas <laughs> dies. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. I didn't mean to kill That's Atlas, but you know, yeah. It's, yeah. A, no, it's, it's D&D. It's how it is. <laughs> so. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to come back. I don't know where the heck you're going to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you have like a tracking thing in Ray that, uh, that I don't know about. But, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.